0: Man, it's good to be in Jesus' house and to worship him. My name is Pastor Chris. If I haven't met you yet, this is your first or second time, I'd love to get to talk to you a little bit to hear your story and find out more about you and how you got here. Uh, it is, there's so much going on this summer. We're looking forward to being outside, reconnecting with each other and reconnecting with our community. How many of you know it's a good idea to get together with people? It's, it's hard to share the love of Jesus or let people know how good he is if you're never around people So that's part of why we're going to be out doing some things and getting people from the community to come uh, Pam is back with kids today And my mom is at home watching online So there's nobody in the room to be that filter that looks at me and says don't say that So I'm just going to apologize up front in advance if there's anything Oh wait, Heather's, Heather just pointed at me She's like you got to look back here now um my daughter's over in the corner there so i'm going to try not to do that and not not to embarrass uh, us too bad so that anybody that sees pam later they can be like okay it was great today uh we started a series last week called contenders and pretenders and we were actually looking at some of the kings of israel and learning about what stories we can learn from them and see what they went through that we can not make those mistakes that we can learn and grow in our faith uh we said that everything last week we read a verse that literally said everything written in the old testament was written as an example to us so that we could be learning be encouraged and be growing in hope. That's what the scripture says. So that's why we're looking at some of these stories. And also we just said there's, there's encouragement that if God could still move in his people with some of those guys in charge, there's hope for us that he can move in our lives in spite of some of the things we've done. So as I was thinking about this week, have you ever picked something and, and bought it or acquired it just because of how it looked? Maybe, maybe you're looking, go ahead to that, that next screen. Maybe it could be food, it could be houses, it could be vehicles. Do you ever look at a car and you're just like, that's the one. Just You didn't even get in it and ride. You just looked at it from the outside and you're like, I got to have that. Or how many of you know that the, the pictures in the restaurants always look way better than maybe what you get on the plate sometimes? That you see the pictures and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm going to go get one of those. And sometimes there's a big difference between what things look like on the outside and what's going on on the inside, what it's actually like when you get it or you receive it. So maybe that's been cars, houses, clothes, food. Maybe you picked a spouse that way. Maybe that's why Pam should be in the room going like that. Like, don't talk about that. But there is, there's a big difference. And I want to talk today about one of the kings of Israel that he was renowned because he looked great on the outside. But he had some failings on the inside. So last week when we we left our story, uh, we saw that Samuel was kind of upset because the people of Israel asked for a king. And God had been their leader up to that point. But they said, give us a king like everybody else. So Samuel went along with this program. And the very next verse from where we left off last week, it says there was a prominent Israelite named Kish. So he's a man of standing. His family had a good reputation. They maybe had some wealth. And it says that Kish had a son named Saul. And how many of you know that Saul was the name of the first king of Israel? If you're following along in our story, you're reading through Samuel Chronicles and Kings, uh, Saul, his name meant asked for. So it's very likely that not, not only was Saul the answer to the Israelites asking for a king, that's kind of cool, like, hey, they asked for him, that's what they got. Oh, I just had this picture, I don't even remember the name of the movie, Billy Crystal driving down the street going, you asked for it, you got it. If somebody knows that movie, tell me later. Don't tell me now. Um, But they asked for Saul, but not only did they ask for him as a king, it's very likely that Kish had prayed for a son and that Saul was God's answer to Kish to say, I'm going to give you a son that's going to be above and beyond everybody else. And I said last week at the end of the series or at the end of this message that Saul was like the Tom Brady of the Israelites. He was good looking. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. This is what it says about Saul in 1 Samuel 9 verse 2, talking about Kish's son. He says, his son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. And I thought, man, if there's a verse you're going to be known for in the Bible, wouldn't that be a good one? There's a whole bunch of people in the story in the Bible that you're like, "Oh, I don't want to do what they did." But if you're going to be known for something, you're thinking, "Man, I'm the most handsome guy here. I'm head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Saul fit the part on the outside." He was like those pictures we looked at. Those look amazing. I want that. I don't They didn't even ask to see his resume. "What what experience do you have that would make you a good king? Are you even a good person?" They just looked at him on the outside and they said, Wow, we asked for a king like all the other nations have. You look like the guy. Man, you could lead us in battle. I would follow you. Well, I'll tell you, Saul wasn't on the inside what he looked like on the outside. And there's, there's a reason that when we read through Scripture that we see Jesus referred to as the son of David, not the son of Saul. I maybe know that there is something different on the inside than what's on the outside. And I want to look at some highlights from Saul's story to see what we can learn for our own lives, because everything in there was written as an example to us. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. I'll tell you this one up front. In addition to being handsome and tall, and the other scriptures talk about him being strong, him being fast, him being smart, him being a good leader. In addition to all that, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. That was was his lineage and his background, his heritage. And this was the reputation of the people from the tribe of Benjamin. In Judges chapter 20, verse 13, it says, But the Benjamites would not listen to their fellow Israelites. They had this reputation for, we're we're independent. We have this streak of, we're going to do it ourselves. We don't need to listen to anybody. We don't need anybody else's advice. You mind your own business, and we're doing what we're going to do. How many of you know that's a little bit of a character flaw? All right, two people knew that. Maybe, how many of you know that's a character flaw that some of us can identify with? Very much. And there's, there's something about not listening to anybody else as a character flaw that that's part of what ultimately did Saul in. That he never let God adjust that in his life. And so right off the bat, before we even get into the rest of the story, we need to be honest with ourselves about areas where we need to grow and change if we're going to succeed in what God's asked us to do. How many of you know God has called everybody in this room? That's, that's a good one to raise your hand. We can talk a little bit. We were, in the, we were in the living room with Jesus, but now let's pretend we're at Kennywood. We can yell and, and shout a little bit. How many of you know that we need to be honest There's times when God has called us. He's asked us to do something. He's given us a job which usually involves other people. We're to be a light to the world. We're to be examples. We're to tell people of his love and his goodness. And if we want to succeed in what Jesus has asked us to do, we need to be honest about areas where we need to grow and to change. A calling on your life, a prophecy, a word from God, I know what I'm supposed to do, doesn't guarantee that you're going to succeed in it. Sometimes we think, oh God, you said it, I'm just going to sit back and wait for it to happen. And that's not a guarantee. You get that word, you get that calling, you come in contact with, I know what my destiny is. There sometimes are things that we need to do to grow and to change, to adjust ourselves so that we can successfully do what God's asked us to do. And so that's the spoiler alert that part of Saul's problem was he never changed from being a person that was impatient, that didn't want to listen to anybody else, that thought he knew what was best. And so the first introduction that we see Saul in scripture is when his father's donkeys went missing. It's like, how many of you, when you were a kid, you had a dog that got out of the fence and your dad's like, the dog's gone again, go go look for the dog. And you're out in the neighborhood trying to see, you're calling the dog, you're yelling. I actually feel like we, we didn't have a dog at the house when I was growing up, so that was me that would go missing. And my mom's out in the neighborhood, Chris, that was... If you're a little kid, do you ever get embarrassed when your mom calls for you and it's time to come in from playing and you like pretend your name's not Chris? Like, I don't know who she's calling, but I'm, I'm over here in the woods riding my bike. But that's what they did. He said, Saul, the donkeys are missing. And his dad literally came and said, take a servant with you. Go out and find my donkeys. And so Saul's out. How long would you look? Before you came home and said, I, I don't know where the donkeys are, how long would you look before the, the dog? We're just going to put posters up. Hopefully somebody sees How long would you do that? Would it be all day? A couple hours? Saul looked for three days. They were going all over the countryside. I don't know how much mileage a donkey can cover in a day, but they were three days looking everywhere that they could think of, and Saul finally said, hey, we should go back. It's, it's three days. My dad's probably going to be more worried about us than the donkeys. How many of you know that's a good dad moment right there, that, you're, that your dad's actually concerned about you? you anybody ever wrecked the car when you were a kid and you call your dad and the first thing he says, what's the matter with the car? That's a bad dad move. The, the, for, for all of you guys that don't even have kids yet, the proper response is, are you okay? Not that I know that from any experience or ever messing it up but thats that was a good dad move. Saul knew my dad loves me so much. He's going to be more worried about us than the donkey. So we should start to head back. And Saul's servant, he had a little bit on the ball. He knew what was going on, what was important. And Saul's servant looks at him and says, hey, there's a man of God who lives near here. His house isn't that far away. Let's go see him before we head back. We'll, we'll get some input from the Lord. How many of you know that's a good place to be in your life. I'm going to get some input from the Lord before I take another step. And sometimes when we think everything is lost and we haven't found it, we haven't found our way, we haven't reconnected with things, you're right in the position to encounter God. That, that's a place where he shows up that we need to see him. And I'm going to tell you, whatever you think this morning is lost or hopeless, or you haven't been able to get back on track or got traction with things, don't give up. God sees and he knows it. He's got you on his schedule. I, I, I picture God sometimes, I see his, little, his appointment book or his calendar on his phone. I don't know what God, if he's an Apple or a Google guy, I don't know. But he's got his phone pulled up and he's penciling me in. He's writing me in for an appointment. Hey, Chris is going to need me. He's about at the end of his rope. This is just the time when I need to show up in his life. And that's what happened to Saul. The donkeys are lost. There's no hope. And he's positioned to meet with God in that moment. So don't give up if you think something's lost or hopeless. And uh, scripture always says that, that God reveals his plans to his prophets before he does anything. And that's exactly what happened in this story. In First Samuel nine fifteen, it says, Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day about this time tomorrow. I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people Israel. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy. And have heard their cry. So God already clued Samuel into what was gonna happen. Saul's out in the countryside, he's wandering around, you're gonna meet him about this time tomorrow. How many of you wish God would show up and talk that plainly to you? Here's what's on your agenda tomorrow. Get ready at ten thirty AM. This is gonna happen and you should be prepared for it. God had that kind of relationship with Samuel. Don't ever think that our lives are aimless series of random events. That we're just wandering around, that God doesn't know what's going to happen next. We don't know. How many of you know that's a lie that the enemy wants you to believe? That that you're meaningless, that you're just wandering randomly through life from one thing to the next, and whatever's going to happen is what happens. Proverbs 3 actually says if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he will direct our paths. How many of you know that's a good thing to do? Just to say, God, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm acknowledging that you have my days in your hands. I'm acknowledging that you have good plans for me. And it says, if we do that, all we have to do is acknowledge him and he orders our steps. He will take care of, this is what needs to be on the schedule. This is where you need to go. This is gonna, who's gonna come and meet you and interact with you. So don't ever believe that lie that we're just aimlessly wandering around. And it says in that verse that God told Samuel, I've heard the cry of my people. What was the people's cry? Who remembers from last week? give us a king. I heard one person, thank you very much, give give them a gold star. They said, give us a king like everybody else. And it says, God heard that cry. He was listening. He was stirred by mercy, but he listened and responded to what the people asked for. We want someone who looks kingly. We want a king like everybody else. And that's going to come back later. So put a, put a pin in that and mark it. Um, But Saul and his servant, they're walking along Samuel was already clued in what's going to happen. They start heading towards the man of God's house and they see Samuel walking towards them but they don't know that it's him yet. And they stop and they ask Samuel, do you know where the seer's house is? Now, how many of you have heard the word seer before? That's not one that we commonly hear a lot, but S-E-E-R, in the Old Testament, sometimes it talked about prophets who were also seers. And all that means is they would see in addition to hearing things. Because sometimes we think, oh, prophetic things or messages from God, we hear them, or we feel an impression in our heart, or God speaks to us in that still, small voice. But there are people that the way their gift functions is they actually see things. And you could call them a seer. So don't get weirded out by that word. It's just a gift that a prophetic people have. Uh, Sometimes they flow that way instead of hearing God. I I had a prophet who many of you would know if I said their name. Uh, They've actually been here to minister before. But they told me one time, when I get up to prophesy, it's like flipping through a stack of pictures. He's like, "I, I literally see pictures in my mind. And I just start describing what I see in the picture. How I many of you know, instead of calling that person a prophet, we could say that they were a seer because they're seeing things and telling us what God is, is showing them. So they, that's what Samuel was called. He was a prophet. He was a judge, but he was also a seer. And they asked him, do you know where the seer's house is? And in First Samuel nine nineteen, 19, uh, Samuel says this to them, I am the seer. What's that for a cool introduction for yourself that you get to tell people? I am the seer. And he says, go up to the place of worship ahead of me. We will eat there together. And in the morning, I'll tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they have been found. And I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. Can we just acknowledge for a minute that that's a really cool conversation to have like you're walking along you're you're thinking about the donkeys you're looking for this stuff and and the prophet comes and meets you doesn't even know who you are and says hey come with me I'm gonna tell you everything you want to know and don't worry about the donkeys and you come on they're real people I'm picturing if that was me I'd be like I'm asking my servant did you tell him about the donkeys like how does this guy know this he must hear from God and so he tells them, hey, the donkeys are found, and I'll tell you what you want to know. How many of you know that there's two separate statements up there? I'll tell you what you want to know, and he says, and don't worry about the donkeys. What was in Saul's heart? What did he really want to know? Because I don't think it was about donkeys. There's, if we're willing to hear it, I believe God will tell us what we really need to hear in a situation. And sometimes we, we focus on donkeys and God focuses on destiny. Come on, there's, there's something in that. We're caught up in all these little things that are going on in our life. There's, how many of you know there's a whole bunch of things that aren't really that important and they're vying for your attention trying to, to make themselves seem important, but God's more interested in your destiny and what's going on in here and what he's called you to do than all this stuff out here. And sometimes we need to get in line with God and say, hey, I'm going to focus on what you're focused on. I'm going to let go of the donkeys and focus on my destiny. And so Samuel told him that. I'm going to tell you what you really want to know. And don't worry about the donkeys anymore. And uh, so Samuel takes him to a banquet. Uh, there was a tradition or a custom where the, the prophet, the judge, would, would get people together in the town. He would provide food for them. They would celebrate and worship the Lord. Samuel takes him to a banquet and he brings out this piece of meat. He's like, here's the best portion of meat. I want you to have this Saul, and eat it. I prepared it for you before I even invited anybody else to be here tonight. Come on, God was really speaking and Samuel was clued in on what was happening. And uh, then he has Saul. Saul's overwhelmed. He's bewildered. Why are you treating me like this? Why are you saying all these things to me? This is pretty amazing. I, get, I, I was normally embarrassed to go to the front of the line, but you're giving me the best piece. And he has Saul spend the night. And then in the morning, he sends Saul's servant on his way. He says, you go on ahead. I need to talk to Saul for a minute. And this is what happens in First 1 Samuel 10.1. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and he said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. And I believe this, this gives us a clue of how much Saul meant to Samuel. The, the anointing was common. If you were going to anoint somebody for an office to be a, a prophet or a king, they would take out a flask of oil and they would pour it on their head and they would anoint them. But it says also that Samuel leaned over and he kissed Saul. And if you remember last week in the story, we talked about Samuel had always wanted his sons to be the next prophets and judges of Israel. And I think in that moment, we're seeing a glimpse into how much Saul meant to Samuel, that he viewed him as a son. That, hey, this is, hey, I'm anointing you, but I'm also you, you I love you. I'm, this means something to me, that you are being anointed to be king, that you're being elevated to lead God's people. And I think, if you read later, we'll talk about it some, Samuel was actually distraught when Saul didn't work out. When, when Saul couldn't continue to be the king of Israel because God rejected him, it says that Samuel was grieved by that. So I think Samuel really felt deeply for Saul and wanted him to succeed. But if he anointed him, and if you are studying the Bible, the anointing oil in the Old Testament, when we see somebody get anointed, that equates for us as New Testament believers, that's like the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us. many of you've ever heard the phrase of like, oh, you're anointed to do that. That just means, hey, we see and recognize there's a gift, there's an empowering from God on your life to accomplish that. And so when I see that verse and that happening, that reminds me that our calling always comes with the anointing to carry it out. When God asks you to do something, he will empower you to do it. Again, that doesn't make it automatic, that doesn't mean it's guaranteed to happen, but he has empowered you to do it. Um... Can I, can I just ask for a show of hands, how many of you in this room, God has ever asked you to do something that you thought was impossible? See, how many of you saw that thing happen? And you're, and you're still to this day wondering, I have no idea how I made that happen. That wasn't something I could do in my own strength. I didn't understand. I can't make it happen. It's because God's anointing comes upon us. He is a God that impossibilities don't exist for him. It's an amazing thing to follow him. I think... You might have a boss at work that he asks you to do something. There's, there's like, oh, there's no way I can do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the tools. God is so amazing that not only will he ask you to do something that may seem impossible, but he actually gives you the anointing and the resources to accomplish it. So anything that he asks of us, we can trust that he's given us what we need to make it happen. And again, that calling, that anointing doesn't guarantee it's going to happen. It doesn't always make things easy. I, w- I would love to stand up here and tell you that, hey, if you hear God call you and ask you to do something, it's going to be easy. Or maybe, no, it's not. <laughs> there, there are complications and difficulties that come up in our lives, but the potential to do everything that God has asked us to do resides in us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You can't say, I'm not qualified. You, you may need to say, hey, I need to learn. I need to cooperate with what God wants to do. But you can't say, it's impossible. I can't do it. Uh, so Samuel anointed him. He actually tells him, if you can go back later, you can read the whole story in 1 Samuel 10. He actually tells him, hey, there's three signs that are going to happen by the time you get home. Every single one of them happened. People came and gave him bread. There were things that happened in the story that confirmed to Saul, hey, what Samuel just told you is true. And it says this in 1 Samuel 10, 9. Uh, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? That almost sounds new covenant. That sounds like what Jesus did for us, giving us a new heart. How many of you know that as Christians, we've all been given a new heart, but we still need to grow and to change? Has anybody else ever experienced that? That, Hey, I got saved. I got a new heart. Jesus is my Lord now. I'm following him. And oh, I still did something I shouldn't have. I'm still having some old attitudes and mentalities. I'm still in these old patterns. Even as a Christian with a new heart, there are opportunities to grow and to change. And that's exactly what happened for Saul. He got a new heart that day. He should have and could have been equipped to be a great king of Israel, but he never fully let God grow and change him in the areas he needed to change. He, he was a wreck for most of his kingship. He was tormented by an evil spirit for many years. He was jealous. He plotted to kill his son's best friend. Come on, Jonathan and David were, were great friends, the closest of brothers. And Saul actually hated and was jealous of David so much he tried to kill him several times. That, that would make you not want to go to your friend's house and see his parents size so had micah his friend was in with him so thank god like i didn't do that i didn't throw a spirit you this morning and try to pin you to the wall so even with the new heart saul did all these things that we read in scripture we're like oh man how could you do that he needed to change and grow and sometimes he dealt with impatience sometimes he dealt with i know better than you i've got a plan i'm just going to do my own plan we need to learn from those things god's not going to put you out of his family but we may miss opportunities in our lives if we don't grow and change and respond to what he wants to do in us. Uh, Here's a couple examples. Here's one when Saul was impatient. You can go back later, 1 Samuel 13. Samuel had told Saul, go ahead of me to the town of Gilgal and wait for me. He says, you're going to have to go up against these armies. You're going to go to battle. Wait for me to come and offer a sacrifice. How many of you think, if, if you hear the prophet who just told you like, things you didn't know and, and things he could never have known, he's hearing God that you would give his voice some weight. And if he says, go there and wait for seven days, I'm going to come offer a sacrifice, I'd be like, we're waiting seven days. I'm not moving until he comes. But Saul was impatient, and he, he thought Samuel's taking too long. I'm getting nervous because the the guys are starting to leave. We're supposed to go to battle and my army's going away because we, we haven't asked God, we haven't offered a sacrifice yet, what's going on? He gets impatient, he takes matters into his own hands. None of us have ever done that with our lives, have we? God, you're taking too long. I'm just I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna come up with my own plan. And we miss things because we don't wait on God. And Saul got so impatient that he says, I'll just offer those sacrifices. Bring them here and we'll kill these bulls. We'll worship God ourselves. And Samuel gets there and he's like, What did you do? And this is what it says in 1 Samuel 13. Samuel says, How foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you haven't kept the Lord's commands. Can I just say that's an ouch moment in scripture. Saul's act of disobedience actually cost him the kingdom. And it didn't happen right away. He still ruled Israel for about 40 years. He was about 30 when he got anointed to be king and he ruled for 40 years. But his relationship with God was never the same after this moment. And he had a promise in this moment that said, you're not going to get to continue as king. There's something about your rule that's going to be ended. Now, thank God in the New Testament, you can never be put out of God's family because Christ is in you. And he did the work for us on the cross. You can never get put out of his family. But I will say there are windows of opportunity that we can miss if we're disobedient and we never let him change us. And that's, that's one of my prayers for us routinely is that we don't miss anything that God has for us. I have, I have no worries, no qualms, no, no fears about ever losing my salvation or getting put out of the family or, or him turning his back on me, but I do think sometimes about, I don't want to miss those moments that you have for me because I would not obey or I would not change. Does that resonate with anybody else or is that just something I've dealt with for all my life? <sighs> Can I share a story with you that is a window of opportunity. There's a house we we lived in, uh, first house we ever bought when we lived in Virginia, and uh, I was a first-time homeowner, so I wasn't too sure how everything worked with all the electric and the plumbing. How many of you have owned a house and you've learned some things over the years? Let's just put it that way. You've learned some things. Well, one time I'm at home and there's no hot water it's not working. And I'm thinking, oh, is I going to have to call the, the plumber? What's going on? There's no hot water in the house. And there was this older guy that lived across the street from us. His name was Tuck. And he used to be an electrician. He used to be a handyman. And uh, I called Tuck and I said, hey, can you, can you come over the house? He walks over the house. He looks for about two minutes and he goes out in the garage and there was a, a GFI outlet which if you're not a homeowner or not an electrician or you don't know any of that, there's an outlet that has a button that can get tripped that cuts the power off for everything else. And it had cut the power off for our hot water heater. He goes out in the garage, boop, pushes the button, everything comes back on. Thank you for walking across the street. Please don't send me a bill. <laughs> it was so easy, but, but Tuck was this great old guy that lived across the street. And, and this is a story I'm not particularly proud of or happy about. But I felt one time that, that God told me, hey, you need to go across the street and tell Tuck how much I love him. Like, go witness to him. And you know what? I didn't do it. I, I sat in my house. Whatever my excuse was, it's too hot outside. I don't want to go across the street. He might be busy. Whatever. Come on, we, we try to rationalize. All this stuff in our lives does not do what God asked us to do. And uh, it was like two days later that Tuck passed away. And... I never went across the street and told him how much God loved me. He walked across the street for me, and I wouldn't walk across the street for him. And didn't lose my salvation. I believe Jesus still loves me. I'm still in his family, but I missed a window of opportunity. And, and I'm trusting God that he made a way. I'm trusting God that the, the judge of all the earth will do what was right for Tuck. But I know in that moment, because I didn't adjust myself or I didn't obey that window of opportunity closed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And they they may not all be life and death situations that you're dealing with, but there are times that we just need to say, yes, God, I'll adjust me to get in line with what you want to have happen and what your plan is. And in Saul's case, his disobedience cost him his whole kingship. And if you remember, before God told Samuel, I heard the people's cry and I'll give them what they want. This time, God says, I found a man after my own heart. We're gonna do it my way. And he was talking, of course, about David, who we'll we'll talk about in in another week. But uh, God said, I'm gonna do what I should have done in the first place is what I think, and there's gonna be a man after my own heart. Saul continued as king, but it wasn't the same, and he still didn't learn, he still didn't change. And I don't know why it didn't hit Samuel after that first experience like he didn't take it as hard and he tells Saul hey you the kingdom you're going to lose the kingdom you dis- you disobeyed but the second time there there was another story where god told Saul hey you need to go up against the amalekites it's time to settle accounts with them i want you to to just wipe them out come on this This is the Old Testament. God said, hey, it's because of my covenant with Israel. The Amalekites oppressed the Israelites. They filled up their cup of iniquity. It's time for them to be ended. And he told them to go destroy all of them. And Saul went, and he didn't destroy everybody. Come on, that independent streak. I don't need anybody else to tell me what's going on. I know what's best. He says, well, I I thought it would be good for the men that we kept the best of the animals and the best servants, and I didn't kill the king either. And Samuel's like, what's going on here? You you needed to obey God. And in 1 Samuel 15, 10, it says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Come on, think about the gravity of this statement with me. I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. Come on, this this is not Samuel talking to God, saying, hey, I'm sorry I went along and anointed him. This is God talking to Samuel. And he says, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. And this is when it really hit home for Samuel because it says Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. This is Samuel who who kissed him when he anointed him and said, I I love you. You're going to lead God's people. And God's telling him I've rejected him because he's not willing to change. And Samuel... After being distraught, he goes to talk to Saul. He says, okay, let's try to fix this. Bring me the king that you captured. It literally says in scripture that the king of the uh, the Amalekites came and said, okay, they've captured me. I'm safe now. They're going to treat me as a prisoner. And he comes to see Samuel, and it literally says, Samuel cut him to pieces. Maybe, you know, there's some stories in there that we don't paint on the nursery wall. Like, you see all these wonderful things in the kids' areas, but you never see Samuel cutting King Agag to pieces. Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll commission that. Can we paint that? No. Uh, I'm getting shaking heads from the kids' workers all around the room. And, And Samuel, when he finds out what Saul did, this is where he famously tells Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. He says, if you just would have done what God asked you to do, he would have... He would have loved that more than you saying, oh, I didn't do what you asked me to do, and here's all these sacrifices to cover my skin. Simply doing what God asks us to do is always better than anything you could give up. If you know you felt that nudge from God, simply obeying is better than, oh, I'm going to fast for 10 weeks to make up for it, or I'm going to go do this, I'm going to give extra in the offering next week. We might be excited about that, but God would rather you just obeyed what he asked you to do in the first place. That's always what he wants out of us. It's a matter of the heart that he says, just just obey. It would be so much better if you did it my way. And the sad ending of this story is that after Samuel confronted Saul about this, it says that Samuel returned to his house and he never went to see Saul again. A guy that he had pinned all his hopes on. You're going to be a great king. It says he never face-to-face saw him again. And uh, next week, we'll, we'll dive into a little more what it looked like and what lessons we can learn from somebody who was a man after God's own heart. David had, all, had some flaws that we're going to look at, too, that help us learn lessons. But I just want to say today, huh, the action item that I thought about today was trade in a donkey. And out of all the stuff that we've talked about today, I felt like that really resonated. Of What is there in our lives that we're getting so focused on that doesn't really matter? Are, are there things that we've let occupy our time and our attention and our effort, and it's caused us to miss out on what's really important? It, it could be something as simple as God asked you to go across the street to talk to your neighbor. And you've come up with all the excuses of, well, I've got to do this and I've got to take care of that. And this is what's going on in my schedule. And God's saying, hey, let go of that stuff and just do what's important. Just, just come back to what I've asked you to do. So I'm, I don't know what that looks like for you, what your donkey is. Uh, if you're a woman in this room with your husband, your husband is not the donkey that you're trading in. Don't. <laughs> Just be clear on that. You may think it was, but it's not. That was not God prompting you to do that. Uh, I don't know what it looks like for you, but it could be something that when you pray about it, you hear God speaking and saying, hey, that's not really that important. I'd I'd rather you focus your attention here right now. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to pray together before we go. I believe when we trade in the donkey... We get something of value from him. We, we come in contact with our destiny. We, we trade things that are temporal for things that are eternal. How many of you know that that's a good bargain right there? Instead of continuing to focus on stuff that occupies our time, continue to focus on what's eternal. That's what he's after in our lives. Father, we come before you right now just asking us that, well, Lord, let's just say up front, we love you and we want our hearts to be yours and whatever it is that you need to adjust or change in us, we just ask that you would do that. Thank you, Lord God, that you you have such a way that you come by your Holy Spirit and you deal with the stuff that's in us. Lord, our, our hearts are towards you. We want to follow you. We want to obey. And so we just ask that you would show us any areas where we need to grow, anything we need to give to you, anything we need to root out of our lives, we just ask that you would show us those things. And Lord, where there's things that we've been preoccupied with that don't really matter in the grand scheme of eternity, we just give you those things today, Lord. They're not worth our worry, our concern, our attention. Lord, show us the things that really matter that we need to focus on. Lord, I ask for anybody in this room that's felt like uh, they're on a treadmill of, of just activity that never goes anywhere, I just ask that you would help them off of that treadmill this morning, that you would just give them sure footing to to know that you are the one directing and ordering their steps, That that you have a way to follow that is so much more rewarding than all the stuff we could just do and do and do. God, I thank you for your care for our lives and that you really do have our future mapped out we say that we love you, we honor you this morning, Jesus. And, uh, and if you're in this room this morning or you're watching online and, and you've never taken that step of starting a relationship for him, with Him, that you don't know that He's got your best interest in mind, that you don't know that He has plans and a future for you, I just want to tell you this would be a great morning to do that. That Jesus really went to the cross so that we could be in relationship with Him. That we could know hope, that we could know joy, that we could know peace. He has those things for us. And it starts by saying, Lord Jesus, I receive that. I receive what you did on the cross. I receive your life and I give you mine. If you need to do that this morning, I just encourage you, make that real between you and God and then let someone know before you leave today. Just tell somebody, I I believe in Jesus now. I I didn't when I walked in or I wasn't serious about it, but I, I know that I know now. Lord, I just ask that you would bless us. Even as we go from this moment, I thank you that we don't leave this place alone, that we can leave walking with our heads high, with with hope in us because of what you've done for us. Lord, as we walk out these doors, I ask that you would let us be salt and light to the world around us, that we would be witnesses of your goodness and your faithfulness. We we honor you, we love you, we thank you for your work in our lives, in Jesus' name man